Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Brother Johnny. And uh, I do feel like I took a step of growth on that last song there. I didn't sing with the ladies when, uh, when you said it there, Brother Johnny. So that's, uh, that's pretty good for me. Well, when I do that, I'm really not trying to be rebellious. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to go rogue or anything. It's just uh, uh, I don't hear it or something. Or I just get excited about the song. Maybe I did it on one of the songs today. Did you have the ladies sing on the previous one, too? Whoops. Okay. I was one for two today, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I knew my wife was giving me some sort of signal, but you know, I didn't know whether I was supposed to slide into third or steal home or what I was supposed to do there. So she's giving me a lay down the bunt or what. All right, um, so uh, let's go to the Bible, First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 15, First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to talk about uh, victory. In fact, the title of the message, if you are prone to giving titles to, to messages, is thank him for the victory. Thank him for the victory. We said Thanksgiving. There are a few things that the Bible says specifically to thank him for, and this is one of them, to thank God for the victory. And... Uh, well, you know, probably some of you are, are quite a bit like me. Um, and if, if you knew who my basketball coach was in high school, you would know why I'm competitive, okay? Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, Coach T, he was a pretty competitive dude back in the day. You still that competitive, Coach? You seem like you're nicer now than you were then. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, but, man, he was, he was a competitive. In fact, most, most of the men here in the church... If I, if, I remember, if I remember right, most of the men here in the church are pretty competitive. Um, and you can see it, you know, it comes down to softball games and so on. And my boys are pretty competitive. We like to, you know, we like to, uh, we like to, to mix it up a little bit. I mean, whether it's just a game of pig out in the backyard or just a little pickup basketball. It used to be, it used to be, you know, I was like a first-round draft choice every time with the boys. You know, we pick teams and they pick dad first. Now it's like, you know, well, I'm like, you know, the... the I'm, I'm the last round consolation prize or something. Um, and uh, it really set home uh, a, a couple months ago when my youngest son beat me in one-on-one. Titus beat me in one-on-one. So I thought, you know, I, I just think it's time to retire now. I think, I think I'm just done. Put me out to pasture. Uh, but, uh, you know, victory, it's kind of a big word in the United States. We, uh, we like, you know, we like the big V. We like, we like victory, right? And it's kind of as part of the fabric, uh, I guess, of being, of being American. And you know, I'm a big Red Sox fan, and I'm a New England boy, so I go for the New England uh, teams. And, and you know, a lot of it's just a matter of perspective. Uh, I mean, to me, you know, in the, in the, over the last couple of decades when the Red Sox were going to the World Series, I was, like, really into that, especially when they, had, when they went through the Yankees to get there. I mean, those are good days, right? Down with the evil empire, uh, the Yankees. Uh, but, you know... You compare that to, to like some of the more important things that are going on now, today. I like I kind of like, don't even pay attention to sports now. It's like it's all relative. I mean, and uh, I, mean, I guess it's no, it's no secret that uh, I'm I'm rooting for for Donald Trump to be the president again. I mean that's no secret, okay? And you don't. It doesn't mean you have to. All right. And I'm not preaching that you have to, but I can say that I am. Right. I I am. And. Uh, and I would, I, would like to, I would like to see, you know, Donald Trump, I, I, believe, I believe that it's going to be borne out that he deserves that, that victory. And uh, if I had to choose, you know, for the Red Sox to win 10 World Series in a row and, uh, and for the right person to be president right now, I would choose the latter, okay? Because it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it, to what we see as being so important at, at, at the moment. Sometimes it kind of pales in comparison. Well, let me tell you what pales 
All of that, all of that pales in comparison to what we're going to talk about this morning. Because there's a victory, there's a victory that has been assured to us. There's a victory that has been provided that rises so far above that it doesn't even register on the same scale. And, uh, you know, some of those things might be a part of it, just a little part of it, a little hint of it, but uh, the victory we're going to talk about today is the most wondrous, the most marvelous, the greatest victory, an eternal victory that you could ever uh, fathom, and it's described for us in God's Word. So let's uh, have a word of prayer uh, together, and we'll talk about that uh, uh, here this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help for us, uh, uh, Lord, to see in your Word these truths. I pray that you'd be encouraged this morning. I pray that every person here, you know exactly what every person's going through. You know the name of every individual here. You know the struggles they're having right now. You know maybe the lack of perspective that we're having. Lord, you know the doubts that creep in. You know the fear that sometimes threatens us. You know that in and of ourselves we get a little insecure and skittish, fretful. But Lord, show us today that none of these things have to be. None of these things have to be. And show us that through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of the Bible says things like, fret not thyself. Don't fret over evildoers. All right? God sees it all. God knows. God's going to take, it all, uh, take every, care of everything. He's going to take care of everything. And he has a plan uh, for it all. Um, you know, when Jesus left, what did he say? Don't let your heart be what? Don't let your heart be troubled. I've got it all under control. I'm making preparations. You know, when, when God makes preparations, it's because it's a done deal. There's an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, what? Reserved. <laughs> Reserved in heaven for you. And so Jesus, when he left, he, did, he didn't say, look, I, I'm going to make some preparations just in case we win eventually. Right? I'm, I'm going I'm to go prepare some things, you know, just in case you make it. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. And there's going to be some things that are happening. You know, the reason why he said that is because, humanly speaking, there's going to be some things that threaten to trouble your heart. All right? That's the fact of the matter. There's some troubling things, humanly speaking, that are going on. Right? They threaten you. They try to grab your attention. They try to steal your peace. But Jesus said... Don't let your heart be troubled, right? Because if you believe in me, and you're one of mine, you're on the victory side, and I'm making preparations for a wonderful future that nothing can alter. And uh, here in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about uh, something we can give thanks for. And if you think of the title today, thank him for the victory, you may say something like, well, it seems like you'd only give thanks for something that was already accomplished. I mean, are we thanking him for the victory? I haven't seen the victory. Well, we are thanking him for something that the Bible says is already accomplished. That's exactly it. In fact, it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God, verse 57. But thanks be to God, what does it say? Which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And point number one is this. The victory is guaranteed. 
You can thank him for it already. You might not see the full-fledged manifestation of it yet. You might not look and realize totally what the preparations are and, 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 and to literally see day by day what has been accomplished. But the Bible says that you can thank him for it already. You can thank him for the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, no matter who's, who seems to be winning here on earth, Jesus always wins. No matter what the victory seems to be uh, bearing out among human beings, nothing can ever take the, away from the fact that Jesus is victorious. His plan goes marching on. It will not be denied. He is the champion of all champions. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it says you can thank him right now for it. You can thank him right now. It's a done deal. The victory is guaranteed. Let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. You can listen to these verses if, if you don't get there. And uh, these are verses that talk about victory. And, we're, and, it's, and it's a bit of a topical study uh, here this morning. But I just wanted to think about these aspects of victory and just our perspective here this morning. Because look, if we get our eyes on, on some of the things that are going on on earth and what, who seems to be winning here at times, our hearts can be troubled. We say, man, there's some, there's some dark days on the horizon. There's some real trouble in the land. You know, it may feel like we're on a bit of a sinking ship. <laughs> and that's not a good feeling. But if we, can, if we can get our minds and hearts in the right place and get back to those unchanging truths, if we can get back to where the victory really lies, that's solid ground right there. And, uh, and that's a great place to be. And so in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, it says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. And what else does it say belongs to the Lord? And the victory. And so point number two is this. This is a great truth. This is a great truth. Victory belongs to God. Not only does he guarantee us victory, not only does he say, I'm going to give you victory. Not only does he say, I have victory. But he says, victory belongs to me. I own victory. You want to talk about victory. You want to talk about power. God says, I own victory. It's mine. It's mine. And, uh, and so, oh Lord, yours is the greatness. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And Lord, yours is the victory. And don't you love that security? I mean, you know, we look at, we look at if we want to talk about it again, about the, the, the presidential race and how it's all going to come out, we look at it as a matter of policy. We look at it as a matter of a place where we want to live, right? We want to look at it as a place where we would like our children to be raised and our grandchildren and, uh, and just kind of the, the security that comes with that and the goodness that they can, they can come out of that, right? And... We do get a, we get a little discouraged when we think about it going a different direction. But isn't it a wonderful thing to think about after this little flash in the pan called life here, whatever it may bring to us, that forever, 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 we're going to be in the presence, in the realm of preparations of the one who owns victory. <laughs> he is victory. And uh, he is greatness, and he is power, and he is glory. And it's not going to be subject to, to, to anybody, you know, anybody uh, 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 voting on that. 
he doesn't have to campaign for it. Uh, he doesn't have to fight for it in any way. Uh, the victory, is, it belongs to God. And it's wonderful to be on his side. In the same verse, it says in the majesty, for all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And God is not uh, uh, wavering one bit. He's not surprised by any of it. Nothing sneaks up on him. He sees it all. And he's above all. And he is victory. And he owns victory. He owns victory. That's a wonderful truth. Let's go to Psalm 98, verse 1. We're talking about victory this morning. And uh, man, there's not many more to uh, positive topics to talk about in church than that, is there? Victory. So it's a great positive term. And we do want you to be encouraged when you hear from God's Word. And God's Word will encourage you. I find, I find that if I go, you know, if I go a couple of days, a week, a couple of weeks, without really being in God's Word, I start to get away from these truths, I get into no man's land. <laughs> I get into all kinds of things in my mind, you know. And then it's easy from there just to kind of get in a, you know, a cave by yourself with your own mind and thoughts and hearts. And there might be people around you, but you're just, you're just getting more absor absorbed into this, this vacuum of the lack of truth of God's word. And that's, that's, that's not good. That's one of the reasons why God made church, right? We come here, we can be encouraged by, by the truth in God's word. And so in, in Psalm 98, verse 1, it says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Hey, you know who doesn't want us to sing? The devil doesn't want us to sing. You know why? Because the devil's a loser. God is victory. The devil's a loser. And the devil doesn't want us to sing. So when someone comes along and tells the church, don't sing, that's, that's, that's the devil's idea. All right? Because the Bible says sing. And he doesn't put any asterisk on it uh, here. He says, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. And so the day that God ceases to do marvelous things, then quit singing. When's that going to be? Got that right. You said it with the right accent, too. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Point number three is this. The victory has been secured by his holy power. By his holy power. And so there's been a lot of powerful individuals, haven't they been, humanly speaking? Humanly speaking, there's been a lot of powerful uh, individuals, and we talk about the election in our land, and I guess at this point, on our little ball of mud here in the universe, it's, it's, it's for the position of the most powerful, you know, uh, head of state in the world. I guess we just still say that, right? But amidst all the powers, is there one like God whose power is substantiated by his holy power? Have any of these rulers been holy in their power? No. Only God. And it's only a ruler that looks to the holy power of God that really maximizes their potential as a ruler here on earth. Because here it says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, and that speaks of power. When you see the right hand in the Bible, it's strength, it's might, and it's power. And his holy arm hath gotten him. The victory. And so he owns that victory. And it's because of his, his power and his holiness. And that's point number three. The victory has been secured by his holy power. By his holy power. And so when you want to identify yourself with power, because people like to, 
They like to identify with that which they see as being powerful. Why? Well, because like the human nature side of us is because, you know, we want to, it's, it's like almost a uh, convenience or self-preservation thing, you know. The, po the higher power, I want to align myself with that because, you know, then I can draw from that power. In the human realm, that can translate into all kinds of, uh, of, of things. You know, the fear of man brings a snare. And, and you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're putting all your eggs in the basket of something that isn't holy, that can be a dangerous thing. But when you have the highest power, and it's a holy power, then you can, without reservation, put your stake in that. You can wholeheartedly commit yourself and align yourself with that because it's holy. It's holy. And, uh, and so... The power of God, the power of God. His victory has been secured by His holy power, by His holy power. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the most, the most victorious passage that there is in the Bible. Why is that? What is 1 Corinthians 15? What's the main theme of, the, of 1 Corinthians 15? Can anybody tell me? Okay, the gospel. And especially what aspect of the gospel? Yes, sir. The resurrection. The victorious resurrection, right? And, and so 1 Corinthians 15 is a, is a tremendously victorious passage. And, uh, and so in verse 54, in verse 54 it says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. In other words, you know, this vehicle that we're in right now is breaking down little by little, isn't it? You know, the, the body you're in, I mean, you know, the wheels are starting to wobble on that buggy, right? Um, <laughs> parts are starting to fall off of it, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not meant to last, all right? It wears out. And, uh, and so, when the, but this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. When you get that new body that lasts forever, this mortal shall have put on immorality. Sorry, immortality. That's a pretty big slip right there. I apologize for that. We can edit that and have that thing on there later. Immortality. Um, <laughs> Did you catch that? You were just ready to roll with it, weren't you? All right. Uh, always check up with the preacher. Then shall be brought to pass a saying that is, that is written, Death is swallowed up in what? In victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And point number four is this. God is victorious over that which man cannot conquer. Now, whoever becomes president of the United States uh, next they're going to be the most powerful man in the world, I guess, for a little while. But none of those guys are going to live an awful lot longer, right? Neither one of them. And ultimately, none of us, it doesn't matter how powerful we are here on earth, you know, big, strong men that could get it done, none of us can conquer death. None of us can conquer death. It's the one thing that brings every person to a stop and say, I don't know how to deal with that right there. I don't know how to, to take care of that. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter how much influence they have. It doesn't matter how strong they are in their youth and for years to come. It doesn't matter what position they gain, how influential they are, how prosperous they are, how successful they are. Nobody can beat death. Nobody can. And so that's the one place that if we're going to have victory, we got to get it from the victorious one. <laughs> we got to get it from the one that owns victory. And it says here that in Jesus Christ, death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, the thing that whoops everybody, 
the thing that makes it so that nobody is victorious, because Jesus conquered that, victory can actually be found in him over that very thing. Death is swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ. It's, it's vacuumed up, never to be seen again. It's totally taken care of. It's dissolved. The threat of death is dissolved. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't blame the world for being, for being afraid of a pandemic. I don't blame them. Hey, look, if I had no security that my death was swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ, I would be more prone to fear as well. If, if all I had is here on earth, I'd be afraid. I mean, if people were telling me day by day, you know, you could catch this thing, and chances are you're going to die, and if that was the, the message over and over again, man, you know, that's, 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 a, that's an uncertain thing. But when you have a, the type of victory that death is actually swallowed up by that victory, there's no threat there anymore. And so we have to be careful as Christians. You know, we have a security that, that others don't have, and we need to have compassion in that, right? Uh, <coughs> Just because we're secure about death doesn't mean everyone else is. Okay? And so, and so we need to realize that people, people need to, to have the truth of what Jesus has accomplished so that death is. And it doesn't mean even as, I mean, still, God has a plan of a number of days. Let him, and, and we're to be wise in the number of days that we have here on earth as well. But it says here, oh death, where is thy sting? Because death usually stings and, and it's a fearful thing. Oh grave, where is thy victory? And the rhetorical question is, Answered by the fact that it is no more because those things have been, the victory of the grave has been swallowed up by the victory of the conqueror in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is victorious over that which man cannot conquer. Let's go to Isaiah 25, verse 8, and it speaks of a similar thing in the Old Testament. This is a beautiful picture, really. Book of Isaiah 25, verse 8. Prophetic here of uh, really what we find in 1 Corinthians 15. And that's one of the, the things I love about the Bible. It's, it's the continuity of the Bible and how the Bible is its own best commentator and, and uh, it's just it's, it's so cohesive. But Isaiah 25 8 says, He will swallow up death in what? In victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from off all the earth. For God hath spoken it. What is the rebuke of people? The rebuke of people is, 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 is our sin. I was talking, you know, I talk to people you know, all the time. And, and sometimes they look at me as a preacher and they think, you know, that they're saying something about themselves that isn't true for me. They say, you know, I just really regret a lot of things I've done in the past. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, if you only knew. If you only knew about me, uh, same, same. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've been into. I don't know what you've been into. I probably don't want to know. But the thing of it is, is God has taken care of it. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? From all sin. From all sin. And the rebuke of people it will be taken away from us by the victory of Jesus Christ. Those tears of regret will be wiped away. We're in the presence of Jesus, and we're not judged as, as at the great white throne, but we're, we're before Jesus, and he's passing out those rewards, and, and, and he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant, and then we're realizing, oh, man, did I ever waste a lot of time right there? Oh, man, did I ever get my eyes off of the victorious one right there? Did I ever live like a loser, even when I should have been living victorious for that amount of time right there? And the tears will, will well up and come to our, you know, 
they'll flow down our, our face like never before. The regret. The perspective that we're going to have when we're in the presence of Jesus Christ, the victorious one, is going to make it all come into so clear as to how we... But then Jesus is going to wipe away those tears. He's going to say, hey, 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 that's all taken care of by my victory. Put it behind you. Never to be thought, no, thought of again. Never to have to be reckoned with again. Those tears, when God wipes away the tears, they're gone. They're gone. And uh, in the book of Isaiah, it also says the former things will be remembered no more. And uh, why? Because the Lord has spoken. And that's the way that he has provided. And so, um, first, let's go to 1 John 5.4, another verse that talks about victory. 1 John 5.4. That's uh, a number of truths here, and I hope that yeah, they're encouraging to you. They, they were encouraging to me this week. And I know, you know, yeah, uh, it's more of a topical study, but uh, these are truths. And, and these are things that we can be encouraged by. In 1 John 5.4 says, For whatsoever is born of God. Now, have you been born of, like, uh, of God here this morning? Are you born again? For whatsoever is born of God, look at this, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. What does it say? Even our faith. Our faith. Look, what you guys say, I know God is victorious. I don't doubt that. I know Jesus and his resurrection, that's victory. I don't doubt that. But what does that have to do with me? Well, how did you become born of God? Through faith, right? You were born again through faith. How do you overcome the world? Through continued faith. How do you have realization of the victorious one in your personal life? Same thing, through faith. Through continuing to trust Him and His Word in your life. The victory. It says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even what? Our faith. Our faith. What a beautiful thing. You know why? Because anybody can have that. This isn't just to the best, the strongest, the ones that have achieved the most. This is for anybody who simply has faith. I'm going to trust you again today, Lord. <laughs> I don't even feel like it, but I know it. I know it. And I can stand on those truths right there. Through faith, we access the victory. That's the truth right there. Through faith, we access the victory. And that was shown through so many times in the Bible. You think of, you know, when God, I mean, God gave this, this great victory to his people. They got out of Egypt. There were slaves in Egypt, kind of a picture of slave to sin. And they got out of there, and now they're liberated, and they're free, and God is leading in their life. And what happens? They come out of the, this place of bondage, and God leads them right up to this ocean, Right? And they realize there's like this ocean in front of us or the sea in front of us. And then they realize something even worse. Well, I can't get through there and we can't go, go back because that old enemy is, 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 is pursuing us. <laughs> we can't go back there because the, the Egyptian enemy, you know, the army's coming after us with their chariots and their swords and their, and their death machine. We can't go forward because there's... And the most startling thing is that God actually led us to this. God led me to this place where it seems like there's nowhere to go. And there's nothing I can do. And I can't get out of this. 
And what's the one thing left that, we're, that, that is our recourse? Trust him. Have faith. He said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. He said that. And so somehow he's going to work through this. And what happens? Well, they, they, they trust and that water is miraculously opened up and God gives a way through it. God gives, he congeals the water, right? And they walk through and the timing is perfect and then the water closes in on the enemy that pursues. And it's a school of faith. I mean, you've lived that out probably dozens of times in your life. Not exactly an ocean with an army pursuing you, but the same feeling. Different situations. You come to that place, I have no idea. I just feel, oh, Lord, I don't know how you're going to make a way through this. He says, just trust me. Victory is accessed through faith. And you get through that, and then you kind of, you know, you go a, a, a little ways and you forget about it. You're in the school of faith and you forget that lesson again, you know, and you get and there's, and now you're, you're out there a little further out in, the, in, the, in that journey and, uh, and you're thirsty and there's no water. And there's a whole bunch of us here, God, and why'd you bring us out here just to die out here? I mean, they forgot that God, you know, liberated them and then opened that way through the thing and they went through that and he dealt with all that and now they're a little further down the journey and they're thirsty and they can't find water and they start to complain and they start to doubt again. God says, look, how many times are we going to have to learn the same lesson in the school of faith, you know? Trust me. I get away through this. I brought you here. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to see you through this. And that's the school of faith. And whether it's the water or the, the sea, uh, the fiery serpents, whatever it is. You know, God's people repeatedly face insurmountable odds. But that's a great place to be when you serve the victorious one. When you serve the victorious one. And uh, so through faith, we access the victory. And then as we close it up here, a couple more thoughts. That will help all of us as we go on our way. Through faith, we act victoriously. Through faith, we act victoriously. So not only do we have that position of victory, but we practically start to manifest that more, more in our life. That's an exciting thing to be a part of. We can act victorious because we have access to victory uh, through, through Jesus Christ. And um, there's a couple of verses for you. I, I, like, uh, I like David's mighty men. Any of you guys ever studied them before? These guys, they just seem like just normal guys, you know. They're kind of this ragtag group that David brought together. And, and they're, trying to, they're trying to fight for some truth, right? And they're trying to do right. And they're trying to, to kind of go against the, 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 you know, to stand up against some of the tyranny that's going on. And they're just, they're just trying to, you know, hold some things together and, and represent God to keep that ground. And in 2 Samuel 23, verse 10, it talks about uh, um, one of David's mighty men here. I'm not going to go into all their backstory and, and, and everything. I'm just going to read you a couple verses here as to how they, they approach different situations. 2 Samuel 23, 10 says this. One of David's mighty men. It says, David's mighty man here, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great, what? Victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Now picture that. This guy's got some ground to defend. Okay? And he's, 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 he's trusting God in this, and everything's telling him to run. Humanly speaking, he's up against it. He's against insurmountable odds. But what does he do? 
I'm going to trust God and I'm going to fight through this situation. And I'm going to hold on to that sword, which is hard not to see that that represents, you know, in a spiritual fashion, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And he holds on to this sword and he, and he holds on and he holds on and he holds on until when the, the dust settles and the victory is won, what happens? He can't even get his hand off the, off the, off the sword because he's been holding on to it so tightly. His hand cleaves to it. It's like one with him now. And what do you have there? You have somebody who has faith, and through faith, he acts victoriously. Now, it says something interesting at the end of that verse. It says the, the rest of the people there, they just came back to, to get the benefits of what he fought for. When you have faith and you act victoriously, it's going to benefit people, from, people around you. Maybe people that were kind of like, uh, didn't want to rock the boat, you know. I mean, it would just be easier if I just kind of fly under the radar here. I mean, I know there's some ground that's supposed to be, you know, to, uh, protected, but, you know, I'll let, I'll let that mighty man do it, and I'll just kind of blend in, and there's gonna be, always going to be some people like that. People that are afraid, they're just acting on fear. We don't want to, you know, we don't face this, this. We're afraid they're going to hide somewhere, or, or they're going to, um, they're going to second-guess themselves. They don't want to, just whatever the, the excuse is. But the thing of it is, is God always has people that trust him enough to say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to protect this land that he has put me on. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to trust him for it. And I'm going to be one of those that when people look at it, at least they're going to respect that I stood for something. And I did it clearly. And I did it clearly. And I flew my colors high. And I, hang, I hung on to truth. till that was the very thing that characterized my life, no matter what else anyone else is doing. You know what's going to happen? A lot of people are going to benefit from that. A lot of people are going to come back to, to, keep, to, to get the spoils. And it says in verse 12, there was another one that says, He stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And it says, The Lord wrought a great victory. Now, it's interesting because you might think, Well, you know, hey, look, I mean, it's all God's will anyways. He's the one that does it all anyways. So what do I have to do? There's always that balance there, you see. Think about it. There's always that balance of the fact that, yeah, God is the victorious one, but he wants us to be a part of the victory. Isn't that a little more exciting than saying, well, God just has it all wrapped up, so I'm just going to go, you know, sit on the couch or, you know, say yay or whatever. God has a work for us to do. God has a way for us to be a part of the victory. God has a piece of ground that he's put us on to defend. And we can act victorious uh, through trusting him and, and uh, that he'll use us in that way. But there's going to be times, this is what we're going to end on right here, because we'll all be able, to be able to identify with this. There's going to be times when there's nothing left to be done that we can see to be done. There's going to be times you say, I would fight for it if I could. If I knew what to do, I would, I would stand up and do it. I, but to tell you the truth, I've come to the point where I have no idea what to do. And I don't feel like there's any recourse in the matter. Well, if you go back to, to the story of, of Moses leading these people, when they were up against it, this is what he said to them. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> In other words, he said, Look, I, I feel the same way you do. I totally understand what you're going through. You're at a spot, you, you, you feel like you can do nothing. And if you would do it, you would do it, but you don't know what to do. At that point, God doesn't expect us to do anything. If he did, he would have told us, right? He would have shown us. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to stand still, and we're supposed to see what God's going to do. See the salvation 
of the Lord. And Moses says to them, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. They seem like such a threat today. They seem so ominous today. They seem like there's no way you could overcome them today. I'm going to take care of them, and you'll never see them again. That's what God, that's what Moses says to, to the people there. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Isn't it wonderful to know that after you've done what you can by God's grace to be a part of the work for that victory, that ultimately you can rest and know that God has it totally taken care of. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you, you just hold your peace and just give him the glory for it. That's a wonderful thing. Let me end with this thought. Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victory. Jesus owns victory. He offers victory. And he provides victory for you and I today. I hope that's the ground you're standing on. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, that's the place of true victory. That's the place of overcoming that which no person can overcome on their own. You know what the biggest problem mankind has? The biggest problem mankind has is their sin problem. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Death is separation from a loving, living God that wants us to find true fulfillment in this life and forever. If you don't know that for sure, I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, the greatest privilege I could have is to tell a person, and God has given me this privilege before and there's nothing like it, to tell a person how they can know for sure that their sins are forgiven and they have eternal life through the victorious one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that these words are 